Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Empire. Thought you knew, but you have no idea. It's the urban sports scene. You are listening to the urban sports scene with Will T and myself, Wole, and we are part of Amp Media at amppyramedia.com. The homie Ray G is out. What's going on, Will T? Uh, I'm, I'm blessed to be here, man. I almost didn't, wasn't able to make it today, man. Well, you good? Yeah, man. Hemorrhoids, dog. <laughs> oh, I, just, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I ain't going to play. I ain't going to play. This real life stuff, man. Yeah, man. Preparation H, baby. <laughs> Only reason why I'm here. <laughs> hey, yo, you a t- hey, you a tough one, dog. You a real soldier. The real, the realest survive, man. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? The realest survive. But like I mentioned on our um, text chat, you know what I mean? Like, this is a darkness show. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's missing, how you bring it on the darkness, that's man. That's what we do, bro. Like we like, like real look, dirty, real dirty. That's how we do it. Like that's how we do. It's <laughs> a lot going on right now, man. But um, yeah, man. Uh, what's going on? Like, do you watch the national championship game? Like, uh, on Wednesday. Sorry, Monday. My brother, I watched the first quarter. Yeah. And I said, you know what? This ain't gonna be close. That was. And I went to sleep. Uh, that was. I, I felt well. I I I fell asleep, uh-huh. and then I woke back up. Shortly, once the third quarter start, yeah. and I and I got a chance to see what I wanted to see, which was Ant Man and Wasp Quantumania trailer. It's the only reason why I watched the national championship. Man. Oh, was it good? I, I think I was it was a new game. trailer. It was a new trailer. Oh, was it good? Yeah, I mean, you have to put out there that you were at the game. Yeah, I had, yeah, I was at the game doing 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 my work. You know, my due diligence. Shout out to uh, the New Orleans uh, Pelicans, man. I got to I got to I got to uh, ask. Uh, Willie uh, Willie Green, Coach Willie Green from New Orleans Pelicans, a question because Najee Najee Marshall, who played uh, Eleanor Roosevelt yep. from Greenbelt, so I had to ask the question about Najee. You no, know, it was a homecoming, and, and which was so dope. And it wasn't on the the clips that I put out there, but as soon as he got into the presser, and be advised that C.J. McCullough dropped thirty four, uh, mm-hmm. Valanciunas dropped twenty seven. As soon as he got into the presser, a reporter asked them about you know like. Why were they able to turn it around? Like the first question, like because of Najee Marshall. He yeah, I mean, if you if if you followed that team, mm-hmm. then you know, despite Zion Williamson missing so many games, yeah. and despite uh, Brandon Ingram missing so many games, those think about it, man. Yeah. If any other team were missing those two guys, yeah. they would be sub five hundred. Yeah. If you think about the talent, yeah, that just that that amount of talent, mm-hmm. but because of uh, Najee. Najee Marshall uh-huh. and then Hubert Jones and Troy, and Trey Murphy. Yeah, like they that's that's what excellent that's what you call excellent team building right there. Yeah. David Griffin has done an amazing job of um, collecting first round pa- draft picks, yep. drafting smartly, then also incorpor- using some of those that that um, 
allotment of picks to trading for veterans, mm-hmm. and now you see where the New Orleans Pelicans are. And great coaching. Like, and great coaching, man. yeah, also. For real, like you said, like a lot of teams that would be missing – Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram didn't play last night. I mean, on, on Monday. Uh, you mentioned Zion didn't play. They're missing those two players, and they're still able to stay afloat and win basketball games. It's, it's a credit to, like you said, um, David Griffin and also, like, Willie Green as a coach. It's a credit to them because other organizations, other coaches, we've seen it. Like, as yeah. soon as one star is out, it's a wrap. Like, they're struggling. I mean, I'm a Lakers fan. Like yeah, Anthony Davis goes Anthony down, Davis goes down. It's a problem. LeBron goes down. It's a problem. You There's know what no I mean? No depth. So I mean, I mean, let's be honest. Look at the team, our hometown team, right? Yeah. Um, you can argue, say, argue, you can make the argument that they're the same with the dude. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you can make that argument. I'm no, but saying. I'm just saying, like, Brett, you know, that, you know, think about, and not to bash these first round picks and these yeah. first round selections, right? Yeah. But. No, I get you. Um, you aren't getting the production you thought you would get from drafting guys that high, yeah. like Corey Kisper, yeah. um, drafting a guy like Rui, Rui Dra- Murray, yeah. yeah, drafting a guy like like Denny, um, Denny, like Denny. Yeah. and drafting a guy. Um, he, I mean, this guy should be on the back of a milk carton, Johnny Davis. Oh my God, that's ridiculous that he's not playing. I'm sorry, like that's just not. It's not acceptable. You got, you're not even a great team right now. Why are you not playing him? I, don't, I mean, you, he has to learn. Like, yeah, real, he has to get. He has like, to get placed. Talk. He has to get some burn somehow, yeah. man. And for you to, for you to think that you know um, we are in the midst that you're in the midst of competing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and not take the long term view that hey, I got to develop this young fella. I have to see what he can do to help us out. Yeah, no, it's ridiculous. I'm, I'm dead. I'm dead serious. It's ridiculous though. But um, Amp Pyre Media. I mentioned Amp Pyre Media. Amp Pyre Media hosts multiple DMV sports podcast shows such as the John Kime Report, hosted by ESPN Washington Commanders Insider John Kime, and Jones Football, hosted by USA Today Insider Mike Jones. You can subscribe to our podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, and Google Podcasts. Just search the Urban Sports Scene. Make sure you subscribe to the Urban Sports Scene YouTube channel as well. This show can be found on Podcast DC, the local app, with hundreds of options in local news and health in the DMV region. Download Podcast DC app to hear all of the Empire shows as well as other great content. Don't forget to tweet us at Urban Sports Scene. Hit us up on IG at Urban Sports Scene and like our Urban Sports Scene Facebook page. I love it. I love the energy, bro. I love it. Hey, <clears throat> check out our weekly NFL picks. But now we're in the playoffs. I think we do playoff picks too. Our weekly, our, I guess our playoff picks on the Football Garbage Time website. Just go to www.footballgarbagetime.com. It's part of the Urban Sports Scene Football Garbage Time Challenge. I will say that I won the fantasy football. It is official. I did win the fantasy football portion of it. So we do have a champion on That's the That's what's up, man. Um, I think Haku Wong won the picks. picks. I mean, I didn't I mean, compete. I mean, I mean, I know. Like, Ray tweeted, like, didn't a bunch of folks, like, skip on, like, a, a miss a week? I feel like a bunch of folks missed a week. I missed more than a week. I know. <laughs> also, join our Urban Sports Scene Facebook group. Search Urban Sports Scene, sports bloggers, sports podcasters, and sports debates. Let's get into our tradition. The pregame. Here's what we have on tap. We'll talk about the Washington Commanders beating the Dallas Cowboys in their last game of the season and the and the Commanders firing offensive coordinator Scott Turner. Hashtag fire Scott Turner. I know, hashtag fire Scott Turner. Now it's hashtag, it's hashtag by Scott Turner. <laughs> At 820 
at 820, actually, in our, in the world of boxing, we'll talk about Javante Tank Davis, TKO, and Hector Garcia, and reports that that there is a Earl Spence Jr. and Keith Thurman deal being finalized for a fight in April. Finally, as part of our HBCU Corner segment, we'll play our interview with University of Maryland Eastern Shore men's basketball coach Jason Crafton. All right. In the final game of the season, the Washington Commanders defeated the Dallas Cowboys 26-6. Rookie quarterback Sam Howell got the start, threw a touchdown on his first pass. Uh-huh. All right, Wale, Wale. What were your thoughts? Well, you know me as well. It's all good. Yeah, man. Listen, you you want to be known as you went to the mother. You went to your parents' motherland, not your motherland. That was my motherland. I was there. No, your parents' motherland. No, no. You're an American citizen. We're not going there, bro. We're not going to do that. All right, let's not. We can do that later, though. We can't do that later. I do want to get back to that, though. Behold. All right, we're good now. I got it out of my system. I had to get it out of my system. All right, for me, it was something that I've been asking for, clamoring for since, like, the bye week. Because at the end of the day, what do you play sports for? You play sports to win a championship. Supposed to, like, if you're not aiming to do something to win a championship, then what, we do, what are we here for, right? Go ahead. Okay, but I'll, I'll stop you on that point. If you're Ron Rivera yeah. and you got a chance to see Sam Howell up until, you know, yeah. you've drafted him, you've got a chance to see him up until that mm-hmm. point, as you said, during the, um, the bye week, yeah. maybe he thought with this defense – um, the and a run playing. game that if I put in those guys, the other guys, Wentz yeah. and um, Heineke, okay. maybe I do have a chance to at least this, get into the playoffs and play myself, give myself a chance to compete for the championship. Maybe I would say that I, would, I get I get that, but that's if they're playing good basketball, good football as quarterbacks. To be honest, like like top of the line, like again, P, P, uh, pro football focus rated Heineke, just Heineke, I know we can talk about Carson too because Carson's been trash, but Heineke, your starter, the guy that everybody wanted, 32 out of 32 quarterbacks. It's not like this quarterback, his play is that that much different from a rookie quarterback. But he gave you an opportunity. I mean, you went on a, what was it, five? Playing a certain, five, a lot five of it despite the quarterback. Okay. A lot of, yeah. But he gave you an opportunity to win, right? Yeah. I mean, look at, now, this isn't apples to apples yeah. comparison, but look at Brock Purdy. Right? Yeah, you know Brock Purdy, he's played good. Yeah, has he played lights out? No, no. but he's given that chance with he's given that team a a, a great chance to win because what yeah. one outstanding coaching, yeah. good running game, good running game defense. I totally. Agree. I mean, so you have two you you had two of those three elements. You had a good running game and you had a defense. Yeah, I, I again agree, but Heineke, Brock Purdy, and even those games, like again, they say despite, but those games he was efficient. He was efficient. I turned the football over. He was efficient. This quarterback's turned the football over. Uh, hasn't been as efficient. Again, he throws over 150 yards. There are a lot of things that average wise hasn't even scored 30. Brock Purdy's had a 30 point game. This dude hasn't even scored 30. Barely scored 20. All I'm saying is that if you're at that point where your offense is already stagnant, one of the like not good on third down conversions. All of this, why not play the young dude? And you saw again. I'm not saying the young dude was perfect against the perfect against the Cowboys, but the young dude was was adequate. Made plays with his feet. He did everything that you wanted both quarterbacks to do. Sh- shows you that the, he can throw the deep ball, throw the deep ball accurately. He showed you that mobile in the pocket. So he did something that you would want Carson Wentz and Taylor Heineke to do. You know what I mean? So it's just like to me, as as even as a rookie, he did so many other things. And then I, and I know that you went out of that. From both of your quarterbacks. And I know, like, we're going to say, well, Ron Rivera seen this, seen this quarterback. Can you say you can trust Ron Rivera? Like, he's seen Carson Wentz. And he went back to Carson Wentz. 
I got a theory. Go ahead, bro. You started the hashtag. Yeah. Hashtag Sky, Sky, oh. Fire Scott Turner. I did that for a minute. You know it. I have a theory. Go ahead, bro. What if Ron Rivera thought that, okay, I see the way that this guy's calling the game. Yeah. The way he's calling the game would potentially put Sam Howell in trouble from a from a confidence standpoint or from a uh, or from a physical point on the field. What if he thought that and he decided Yeah. And turn into what if he thought that, you know, the way that he's taught him what kind isn't the best way that you coach up a quarterback. What if, I'm just I'm just no, throwing out some food no, for no, thought. No, no, and he no. ultimately thought that Sam Howe um is a viable starting option, but he just didn't think that with that offensive coordinator it will put him in the best position. I think that's a very good that's a very good question. I mean I just don't think it's I mean no disrespect. You know, the Coach Rivera, I'm mm-hmm. give respect when I say Coach Rivera. I don't I don't think he's smart enough to think of that think of it that way. <laughs> okay. But, I, but right. I will say though, if he did, that's genius. Cause I, I I I that is a fear of mine when it comes to bad offensive coordinators. Like they can ruin <clears throat> young quarterbacks who have talent. I agree. I'm not gonna I that is a thing. Like I don't know if it's the case, but let's look in New York, let's look at the Jets. Michael LaFleur was was fired today. Um, and if you kind of read in between the lines. Oh, because it was the first. Yeah, if you read in between the lines, Robert Sala, some of his comments, he's kind of alluded to he doesn't think that the offensive coordinator put that quarterback in the best position. Well, when he, he said, I'm not going to just say the offensive coordinator. He, they, he doesn't think as a staff mm-hmm. they put that young quarterback in the best position to be successful I think that's necessarily. To- I think his situation is totally different. But yeah, I would say because that dude. Is reckless. Like he he is Taylor Heineke with an arm. Like that dude reckless. <laughs> nah, he he reckless. That dude reckless. Like and I would make the argument again. Like I wasn't a big fan of him coming out of college because just like like people have issues with other quarterbacks. Like you in the, you are BYU. Like you're not seeing anybody. And in the chance, if you really looked at his stats when he did get to see somebody, and weren't it wasn't impressive. I mean, the some bodies that you would deem like decent power power five schools, like decent. Mm-hmm. He wasn't putting up numbers. He put up numbers in his conference. That's what he did. I mean, he, he's got an arm, got a rocking arm. He does. That's physically there. Like that's that's obvious to see. But in terms of playing the football, playing quarterback in the NFL, to be a day one starter was kind of iffy to me. Like he wasn't that dude. You know what I'm saying? He wasn't that dude. But yeah. But I would see like again like this situation. This is something that had to happen, man. Like, and we can get into. But actually, we, let, let's ask me ask this question on social media. I mean, ask you this question real quick, Wilsey. Before we go to the next one, uh, did you did he show did for you? Did Sam Howe show you that he should be a, that he could be the starter next year, or was it still like incomplete to you? It's incomplete to uh, me. Um, one game, mm-hmm. right? One game against your rivals. Your rivals ne- weren't necessarily they engaged. Played. I they, mean, they played, they, but they weren't. They weren't. Engaged, they, they weren't. They, bro, like real talk. They, I mean, dog, it, they it was engaged. a lifeless. Performance. It was just a bad performance, and they got. It was beat. lifeless performance, dude. Whoa, every man. game, don't no, be real with you. Like I'm not even. I was in. Like you could see it, when you look. You play sports. When you see somebody's facial expressions, you could see that like pissed off at itself. Like you could literally. It wasn't like you know a lifeless performance. Like yeah, I don't give. I don't care. Like okay. th- some players care. Okay. Mike McCarthy it, cared too. It, you can it, see it, it. It, it. It's fair to say some players fake. Some players yeah, care. I fair. Yeah, but right. I, I think an overwhelming majority. Of the Cowboys roster that stepped foot on the field yeah. Sunday We're, down the street from this state from this in that stadium down the street from the studio, yes. 
did not care. I would say, would you say that the star players cared? Because you lost CD, all the best players to me cared. CD Lamb cared because you could see him frustrated. Dak cared because you could see like he had that, he had like that, uh, like that uh, Dave Chappelle Dylon joint. He had that face. Like he was just like he cared. I could tell he cared. And because anytime you don't play well, like because they, because at the end of the day, like you can see, like the Eagles weren't. No one was worried, but the Eagles weren't blowing that. They were looking at the scoreboard. The Eagles weren't blowing them out. That game was right. close. Yes. Like they, yeah. yes, they played close. like. There's a reason why the starters were out there. Like to me, if you're a coach, this is just to keep the buck. If you play with that type of energy, like you're referring to, like you're not, you're not caring. You're not playing the whole game. I don't care if you. I don't care whatever because you somebody can get hurt. Like you're not playing like that. You know what I'm saying? But to your point though, I want it was incomplete. I want to get into the Cowboys game because that game more. But go ahead, bro. Go ahead. No, I, no, I'm just saying. I, to me, at a certain point, at certain points of the game, mm-hmm. it didn't seem as if um, they were playing with a lot of uh, Man, I, I can see that, there energy behind them. There's a place team you're already in the postseason, yes. though. Just real quick. Mm. All right. Okay. But Yesterday, I, go ahead, bro. the news came down Let's get right into this, baby. that the Commanders. That's, that's the most important thing anyway. Why did I'm not gonna I'm not gonna use the word that you said. Finally, I'm not gonna use that. Oh, fine. Oh, it's my bad. Yeah, I did it. Out loud. I said finally let go. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So yesterday, the commanders. I said fired. I said finally let go. Yesterday, <laughs> yesterday the commanders <laughs> let go of offensive coordinator Scott Turner. Yes. How are you feeling about his about them replacing him? It ain't better than having sex. But it damn feels good. Wow. <laughs> you know, it feels good. Like, I, I will say it, it feels good. You know what I mean? Like for me, I just think that this is a, this is the thing that needed that needed to happen. Oh my man, Eric, what's going on? Eric said, uh, "Have you met Wentz? He never cared." Oh, he said, "Have you met Wentz? Carson Wentz never cared on the on the field." Uh, I think he I'm, cared. That's think I he's think, different. He's a different dude. Yeah, I think he's a, he's a different guy. I you know. The first his first two stops Philadelphia and um, Indianapolis it didn't work out that you know there were some uh, rumors yeah that it was you know he didn't necessarily connect well with his teammates yeah I, mean, I don't know what you know um, if we just look if we look at the performance on the field it looked as if the guys responded they did I better mean, to Taylor Heineke it seemed that way it seems that, that way and I don't know what the disconnect is but. Um, Carson Wentz is a guy who has immense physical tools, and you know maybe Washington decides to cut him and bring him back. You never know. Yeah, you never know. They're gonna cut. I don't think they bring him back, but yeah. But go. I, I know but, this is this is what you are deeply passionate yeah, yeah, exactly. about, man. So I, also, my man Eric said uh, how QB one time to stop screwing around with choices and make uh, make a decision, make a de- and make a decision. But um, I want I want to I want to go talk about this this coordinator. This is something that had needed 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 to be done. We see in the world, the world of life, this thing called nepotism, and some people are just given jobs who don't deserve it. When a guy was a quarterback coach, didn't show you anything in Carolina when he got an opportunity to be the coordinator in those let those that sample size last four games, he didn't really show you anything either. Then he comes over here. There was a guy here called Kevin named Kevin O'Connell who was showing you progress with God rest me rest in peace with Dwayne Haskins. Who Dwayne Haskins that his last game with Kevin O'Connell probably had his best game. Then he got hurt and had to, you know had to sit it out. But he was he was he was super accurate. It was probably his best game of his honestly to me his best game of his career to be honest with you. But then you but you had so you you did you met with 
Kevin O'Connell. You, t- you interviewed him. He interviewed for the job. But re- reports are that, you know, you already made your decision that you were going to keep Scott Turner over at Kevin O'Connell, a guy that showed you more – that probably showed you more in those sample sizes compared to Scott Turner. Also, who's on actually on a decent, really good tree. You know what I mean? A good offensive tree. But you went with Kevin O'Connell. I mean, uh, Scott Turner, excuse me. And look now. Look where we are now. You gave him an extension last year, too, and everything. But look where we are now. The fan base told you this already. They told you that this dude wasn't the one. And now he is gone. I am happy. I am sorry. I don't like people losing their jobs, but I'm happy. Like for the, I, This is what I said on Twitter. God bless you. In peace. Hashtag by Scott Turner. But I did add this, though. I can see you down the road being a quarterback coach and maybe a high school football coach, maybe a college football coach. <laughs> But, no, and you got to work. Like, you got to work to get this. Like, I'm saying, I'm serious. Like, there's dudes out there that we've seen that haven't gotten this opportunity to be offensive coordinator. They had, you know what I mean, they haven't gotten this opportunity. The stuff, because he's North Turner's son, because Coach Rivera has a great relationship with North Turner, because North Turner gave him an opportunity, like gave Coach Rivera an opportunity in San Diego when it was the San Diego Chargers. This is the reason why Scott Turner is is the OC. Because you got to show something. To be the OC, you got to show something. It's either you're on a vicious tree or you got to show something. And he didn't show you anything. The first two seasons, for real, didn't really show you anything. But then you gave him more talent. He said, okay, it's a quarterback. We're going to try to work it out. It's a quarterback. And you saw the same thing. So all, all I'm saying is nepotism, this is a lesson for you all, you, you people out there in the world of nepotism, right? It's a, it just doesn't work. All right? It doesn't work. That's not, that's not always Not the always case. case. You're right. I'm sorry. Not always Let me case. take it back. I'll take that back. Let me, let me retract my statement. When they don't show you anything, you don't have to stick with it. Is that, is that better? Like, there's a ways you can easily take yourself out of it. You're not going to burn any bridges, okay? To be, let's be fair. He didn't do his job. He was horrible at it. Uh, let's move on. Scott Turner, I wish you the best. Hope you're a great quarterback coach. If you want to do high school football, college football, I think there's a, there's a place for you there. I really do. Because then you can build your resume, and maybe you can be that guy. But you can't just jump in the NFL because you somebody you somebody's son. You like your daddy won Super Bowls? No, that don't work. It don't work that way. You gotta work. You sound I, like a real jerk, real, asshole, yes. asshole. Yes, yes. I'm going for all that. You sound like Thank a real you. Asshole. Thank I'm you. I'm just gonna be honest with you. Yeah. All right. So let me let me ask you this: Who's the head coach? Ron, Coach Ron Rivera. Do you think the head coach had? some input or has input into the, the style of offense that is drawn up. So do so let me ask you I'm this. Gonna tell you, I'm gonna so tell you hold on. So let me ask you let me ask you this question then I'll um so you think that it was a Joe Gibbs and Richie Pettibone situation where Ron so Rivera and Jack Del Rio focused on the defense and he said, Hey Scott Turner, you take the offense. I'm a, that's all you I'm gonna go even deeper than that. This is what okay. he did. I can tell what he did. He did the same thing with Del, Del Rio. Del Rio has Total autonomy of what he wants to do till a certain point. So Ron will get you to a certain point. He won't. He doesn't. He's not a. He won't. He won't meddle. So when they were losing games, you could see that. You see the change of philosophy. It's every time. It happens all the time for this team. It's change of philosophy once they start losing. So Ron said, "You know what? I want to run the football." So he stops them. If it was Ron Rivera, like look at the look at facial expressions. For instance, I'll mention the Cleveland game. If you watch the Cleveland game, it's fourth and one. He, he runs, fourth and one, he runs the third string running back on a pitch play. 
Look at Ron Rivera's reaction, and you tell me, is he involved in play calling whatsoever? Because Brian Robinson Jr. just gave you like four yards prior. It's he got he has fuller he has more he has more he has full autonomy to to how the style he wants to play to a certain extent. That's fair, but let me counter that. Yeah. Um, in my neg- regular nine to five, yeah. I'm a supervisor, yeah. right? I, I have a team of yeah. people on my team. I don't. I allow people to sometimes. I give them a, the autonomy to make certain decisions yeah. and to execute on certain things, yeah. right? But once I hear that's a bad idea, I'm just my 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 thing is no. Yeah. And then I t- I start to rein things in. Yeah. So, do you think it's a fault in the coaching of head coach Ron Rivera that when you know when you saw Cleveland fourth and one he yeah. runs that pitch? Yeah. He has a headset on. I think it's his fault. That, do you do you uh, think yes. that he should have called a timeout? Right. Said, what the that's f a, you doing? That's a yes. He's he's look. You're a head coach. No, I, no. I know where you're coming from. You're the head coach. It's, it's your fault. Like you have, like you have control. Yes. Like if you see something stupid, you stop it. Like that's what I'm saying. Like they're both at fault. But I'm saying, like for you to even, like I guess to me as a play caller, for you to even think that that play made sense is ridiculous to me. You know what I mean? Like you play a video game, bro. Like you, like fair play a video game. Well, okay, I, I, I'll give the you the third a- string. All right, so you got think, think the about third this. string. The okay, third string, okay. bro. Like think about this. You got tra- you have like you have, and this is because he's a poor man's version. So this this is it. If you have uh, King Henry, mm-hmm. right, fourth and one, fourth and one, and you're going to run the ball, right? Like you're going to run with the running back. Are you running the ball with King Henry or his backup or his third string backup? Let's keep it a buck. You're going to run with King Henry. Yes. So in anything, it's in the simplistic form of, pl- of calling plays. If you fail with running the ball with King Henry, you're going to be like, what? Man, I fell on my top gun. Right. So nobody going to be negative. I fell on my top gun. But you running with a third stringer? Okay, maybe. And, I, uh, you know, I, I don't like to use the word devil's advocate, but yeah. I'm just giving you I got a, you. No, a contrary yeah. perspective, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what if he thought, okay, I will catch them off guard with putting the third string running back in and throwing this toss? You know what? Maybe, but then you run it to the best player on defense, Miles Garrett. You run it on Miles Garrett, Miles Garrett's side. Like it, it all doesn't make sense. <laughs> like it, it all doesn't make sense uh, with a weak offensive line. It ain't like this offensive line is bound, is blowing folks over. Miles uh, to the best, to one of the best players on defense in the whole NFL. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, let's let's wrap up the Scott Turner yeah, talk yes, yes, and let's yes. talk about the future. Yes, right. Um, because there's an opening here at, as office coordinator on yeah. the Washington Commanders, who would you like to see step into that spot? If I you were, if if Ron Rivera was calling me, if was calling you, or or um, you know you me. and uh, my guy Al were at the press conference. Oh yeah, and uh, Coach Rivera were up there, yeah. and you and Al says we need to hire. Oh, like back in the day, yeah. Yes. <laughs> we need to hire X. Frank Wright. Okay. Frank that, Wright. I think he's works. perfect because he get one. Frank Wright, I mean, he was on the staff that won the bowl. Uh, Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Um, the Andy Reid tree is, is is a dominant tree. It's one of the better, one of the best trees. I mean, people talk about the Shanahan tree, but the Andy Reid tree is real. Um, some people have failed, but they've had some success, too. After They had some success that didn't fail. Like the, kid, the dude, Matt Nagy, 
mm-hmm. in Chicago. He got him to the postseason, and he kind of like tailed off a little bit. But I, Frank Wright to me is a, is a good offensive mind. He he dealt he did well with Carson Wentz and, and with the Colts. Even, you know, with the Colts. Not I don't want Carson Wentz. I'm just saying he did well with Carson Wentz with, with the Colts. Um, Philip Rivers was, was decent. I mean, I love Philip Philip Rivers, but he helped you get that team to the postseason with the aging Philip Rivers when people thought that Philip was kind of over the hill. Um, you bring him here. He's an innovative mind. He has Maryland ties because he, he went to the University of Maryland on, mm-hmm. that, on that football team. Um, and then Ron Rivera and Ron Rivera is super cool with Andy Reid. That's another. That's another connection. He, he coached. He coached. Uh, I think once Ron Rivera coach was he with was he with them? I can't. I can't. I'm not 100. I'm not sure, sure yeah. but I know he's cool with Randy Reid. Like I know they're really, they have mm-hmm. a great relationship. Frank Wright, you know, obviously Frank Wright is under the Andy Reid tree. Um, so I think it's a good fit. That's. That's I, I I like that suggestion. Um, I don't necessarily have a. So I mean I have people out. Some folks have had like I think George. I could we gotta go go. We gotta leave the segment soon anyway. But um. Yeah I I, I yeah I'm not necessarily yeah he did coach under um, so, Andy Reid yeah, from '99 so. to 2003 so, as a linebacker. So coach. They, I mean so they you know I mean it's I think it's a good fit. I think it's a it's a decent fit. I do. I think it's a real decent fit. But I I, I think. History has shown that Ron Rivera is going to bring in someone from he's Carolina. from Carolina that he's close with. Think about Shula. I know. I think he may. T- I think he may go after Shula. He might. And he's a you know he's a Buffalo right now. I yep. think he would do that. I think it's just a mistake, but I think he would do that. That's what history has. No, it's real talk. I mean, that's what that's, that's no, history has shown. Like yeah, it, that's his, real talk. It, yep. it definitely has shown that that's that's his move. That's his play. He likes to do that. He likes Carolina dudes, and he won't stop. Like bad boy, can't stop, won't stop. And I'm like, bro, stop. Like, please stop. Like. And my thing about him, he doesn't even get the best players out of Car- the best people out of Carolina. It's like he gets the worst ones. Like he got Taylor Heineke and Kyle he gets who Allen. he feels comfortable with. Man. And Cal Allen. He would go like I was like, and I know I used to be, like I used to complain about like how how you not get the dude that helped you win games though. Like you didn't get Cam. Like you didn't get the one that the best that, one. I mean that that will be that will forever be the the mystery. Yeah, um, for real, real talk. Of, I mean, you know, media and fans. Yeah. You know, why didn't you at least get the best one out of the Carolina crew? Yeah. That you, that's the thing. Like you got all the meh, not the the but not the but the, not the best one. Interesting. All right, man, let's let's get right there. Let's get the going to with the break. Let's go right into the next topic. All right, we're going to talk about the we're going to talk boxing. So Saturday night at, at the Capital One Arena, it was it was jumping for many reasons. Javante Tank Davis TKO'd Hector Luis Garcia with the left hand in the closing moments of round eight, retaining his WBA regular lightweight belt. Um, how did Tank look to you, Wilty? Uh, looked like a man that was. Who, he looked like a man who put everything else to the side yeah. that he's been going through mm-hmm. and focused. On boxing. on boxing, right, mm-hmm. with his performance. Um, when he hit Garcia with that left. Uh, like on the tunnel, like right here. Yeah, the it, it, it was flush. It was. It was flush. Yeah. It, was, it was one of those, um, one of those moments where if you, were, if you were, had the opportunity to watch the fight there, uh-huh. um, you, you were like, damn. Mm-hmm. You knew it was out. You knew it was lights out. You knew it was lights out. I thought he was going to be knocked out earlier. Like, them punches is real. <laughs> Garcia got a chin. I'm gonna give that's a he got a chin. Keep you know who up. was notably absent who? from the I guess pre-fight promotion stuff who? like Floyd Mayweather. Floyd. He wasn't. Yeah, he was. Yeah, but he's all, he's about he's about to leave him though, right? That's the word. Yeah, I, I guess that's the word. The word but is about it, to leave. yeah, it's just it 
it just it strikes me it strikes me as you know a little bit awkward. Yeah, I thought he I thought he looked good. I thought he should. I mean, I was like, get him out of there. I mean, this fight wasn't like the fight for me because I just thought that Tank. Was, I mean, it was to me it was never really in doubt. I just I just thought that Tank's skill set would get this dude out of here anyway. Uh, no knock on Hector Garcia. It's just I just didn't think it was going to be a competitive fight. I knew it was going to happen eventually. Um, I was glad he got. I mean, he got. I say glad, but I knew eventually he was going to get him out of there. It wasn't a fight that I felt like was going to test. Because, I mean, it's Capital One anyway. It's Capital One Arena anyway. So I didn't think it was the fight that was going to test Tank and put him in, in the waters. But I, I will say this, though. He is a star. He's a superstar. Yeah, I mean, look. He I, is a superstar. Like, what he, who he brings to the table, like, who he gets to, to watch him fight, he is like No, I mean, j- j- think about it, right? Mm-hmm. He, for the most part, he starts fighting on the West Coast. Starts, yes. fight, starts his career fighting on the West Coast, yes. right? He starts to build a fan base, a loyal mm-hmm. fan base of people who come to either California or Vegas to watch him fight. Mm-hmm. Then he goes to New York, to the Barclays. Yep. Everyone goes to the Barclays to watch him. He goes to Atlanta for a fight. Mm-hmm. Atlanta, that fight was jumping. And then coming to D.C. I mean, if you had the opportunity to actually attend the fight Saturday, yep. um, you saw um, just the, the, the star power that this young man has, right? You know, like, even though, you know, Baltimore is about forty a forty minute forty yeah. minute drive from from DC. From DC. From DC. Yeah. Um, he was able to pack the Capital One Arena, right? Yeah. It, it, it was packed, and it, it was packed with a, a you know. Um, it's all love too. Yeah, it was all love to, it was, to, to a certain extent. Yeah, for the most <laughs> for the most part. Um, it, it you know it, it's it's just you know I hate to see guys like him. This is the one knock that I have. Like guys like him, they're Clearly generational talents, right? Yes. yes. So uh, yes. in my mind, I want to see these generational talents fight other great fighters. Of to course. Keep That's the thing. Building up their legacy, right? And I understand that there are certain politics, right? You have to fight your, you know, um, you have to fight your, your mandatory. Your, your, and you also, because you are aligned with a certain PB, promoter. Yeah, PBC and stuff like that. They, you know, promoters, some promoters are just simply like, I'm not trying to make another promoter rich. This is crazy. It's which crazy. is crazy, which, crazy, which is going to ultimately be the downfall of boxing. boxing. Period. Yeah. Um, but one thing I do want to bring up, though. Go ahead, bro. Um, one thing that I didn't like, I don't know if you noticed. Um, the majority of people, they typically f- get their news on sports from one source, ESPN. Right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, throughout ESPN's coverage of the Tank Davis fight, there was all there was always one thing they brought up, right? His incident with his child's mother. Yeah, the thing that um, that had been going on prior to the fight. Yeah, you know whatever article, just about whatever article or whatever um, pundit that you heard talking about boxing from a certain talking about this fight, right? I'm not going to say the Who, Tim Bradleys or the Andre Wards, somebody else, guys like that. But when on, in writing, right? Okay, okay. Um, oh, in okay. writing, in you writing, always saw writing person. Okay. someone, you know, bringing up you a boxing that, writer, a boxing writer oh, bringing up okay. that that situation, ins- that situation in regards to relation to him in this fight. But it's just interesting how you want Mike Coppinger. Yes. Okay. Yeah. You said um, <laughs> it's interesting how Mike Coppinger would write um, every piece that he wrote. About this fight, and mentioned um, that. it mentioned that. But mm-hmm. one of the leading content creators for that network, Dana White, Yo, got into a 
<laughs> slapping a slapping bout uh, with his wife on and, New Year's. And actually, and you've seen it, and it actually and happened. And there's video of it. And actually, and, and the chick, the, I mean, at least Tanks said it never happened. Yes. She came out and said it never happened. Yes. And but we saw this with our eyes. We saw eyes, this right? one with our eyes, though. Just to, to <laughs> you know, just like we saw the Ray Rice. Yes. With our own eyes, and it's, that's, this is killing me. Like, and it's just no, and, it, and me, ESPN has really buried it. Yes, right? they haven't mentioned agree, it bro. at all. I agree, man. Right now, I know that they've mentioned it to some extent when they've no, kind of thrown no. him those fluff. I think there was an interview with uh, I forgot who it was. I want to say he, I forgot exactly who it was, mm-hmm. but he he talked about it. Um. I'm having an issue with his that whole thing though. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, I, I just have it. I just have an issue have with an the issue. bias, right? Because you know, there's a PBC boxer, a boxer who doesn't fight on ESPN, yeah. and then they bring up they bring it up all the time. Even though, you know, um, I didn't know. Like, I didn't know. Like, I actually, I never thought of USC. I, forget, I guess UFC is when ESPN. I don't really like USC you know, is I don't exclusively watch on ESPN. ESPN. Yeah, I don't watch yes. USC. That's why. But I don't. Right, I don't. Yeah. But I, I'm just saying. Like, I'm reading. No, you know, I because I'm trying to learn more about just combat sports no, like MMA you. also. No, it makes sense. Right? So I, I'm trying to read up on that. And the only – I'm not going to say the only good source, but one of the main sources is ESPN. Yes, right? yes, 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 it is. So as I'm reading, you know, about this upcoming fight for Tank, and I'm also reading on ESPN about – And I'm just looking at the coverage, and I'm just – I'm but blown you know, away at the bias. You know, the issue with me and, you know, about it, Period. It's like I'm not paying attention. Like, but I just think that that dude ain't getting enough. I but I, I compare it to everything. All athletes. Like that's what's bothering me. That's what's bothering me. Like all athletes. Anybody puts they. You see these videos of they putting them hands on the, on their girlfriends, whatever. Mm-hmm. They're ostracized. It is over. It is it's cancel over. culture. It's can, Bruh, they're canceled. What is when is it going to happen for him? Like I, I, you know, I don't hear anything, man. I don't. Right? And like and I, I think just, uh, TBS was it TBS? It's on TBS, the slap show. Yeah, he's about to come out Bruh, with, a, with a slap. That joint, league. that joint got pushed back a week. And that's it. Like it should be canceled. Yeah, you would think so. <laughs> it's crazy. I'm serious. Like all of it. Like that's what bothers me. Like this dude is getting, like he's getting off, and I'm like, we seen it. Yeah, we saw it. We TMZ, seen it, right? We, yeah, we saw it with like, TMZ. That's the. I guess that's the one thing that. Frustrates me slash that you know annoys me yeah. right is the bias yeah. right you have a guy Tank Davis he's, who's had his run ins yeah with the law yeah um, who's run afoul of the law he's young um, he's young I, I hate to use that excuse I know but I know what you're saying but yeah, yeah he's yeah. run afoul of the law and I'm, when I said I hope you I just hope you mature like when I'm saying yeah. that like I hope you mature right so every article that you write about him brings up. That you know the instance with his girlfriend yeah. or his child's mother. I don't know if the, um, they're still together, so I want to be respectful of that. Child's mother is a safe way to say it, right? Yeah, now. <laughs> and then also um, other other times he's run afoul of the law. But uh-huh. then you have Dana White, a guy who's one of your biggest partners from a, a content perspective. Uh-huh. Um, UFC is always on ESPN um, Friday nights, Saturday nights, or ESPN pay per view, uh-huh. ESPN Plus. Um, with their big cards, yeah. and you don't even mention anything. It's crazy. No, I'm with you. I think you don't mention anything. You you don't suspend him or anything. That's what me, it, man. It's it's just crazy it's, to me. It's, but. It's, it's annoying, man. It really is, though. But I yeah, I I just hope like you know that I mean that, like the for for Tank, it's come out in terms of like his girl said he he ain't touch her. So that's a, that's what we all got to go off right now. So that's how I look at it. And 
So they need. I need. If, so if she said he ain't touch her, then folks need to apologize. Yeah, um, I mean, it's, it's just. Uh, folks need to apologize to him though, because he was got he was getting dragged. He was getting dragged. And yeah, like you said, I'm, like I'm not right. gonna pretend to say I know what happened. I don't know what happened. I'm just saying, like, yeah, I'm with you. Like, I don't want it. Like to me, if somebody tells me something, I gotta, I'm gonna believe it until I until I know otherwise. Just the same way that when something comes out, reports come out, we all can only go off of what we think. You know what's been said. Like, okay, he must he did he did it. But when somebody comes out and says, all right, I mean, if you do your investigating, right. whatever, you can come up with your own opinion, but. If somebody comes out and says, like the person that it happened to, comes out and says, says he ain't touched me. I was just doing. What I, then I'm gonna go. Off, I'm gonna go off what you told me. You know what I mean? Because you're the. It happened to you. Now, if something may have changed your mind, then that's on you. But like, it happened to you. Yeah, no, I understand. You know what I'm saying? I'm so, I'm, we can only go for that. But um, going to the. I mean, going to Tank. So for after its performance, you know, Jim Gray did ask Tank about Ryan Garcia. Like, is it gonna happen? Your opinion, Will T. You was talking about it earlier. Like, yo, you want to see two? He's a, just a generational talent. You want to see him play against somebody else who who's deemed, you know, at, just as talented in a Ryan Garcia. Like, do you think this fight will go down? Yeah, I mean, from from, I guess, from everything we've heard thus far. Yeah. Right. Um, I don't think Ryan Garcia has delayed taking any fight until. No, he hasn't. Huh? He hasn't. He's been no, he hasn't delayed anything. Yeah, yeah, no, nah, he he. So I uh, no, because at one point there was talk of Ryan Garcia fighting, but he he pushed that off and he said he's oh. going to wait until fighting Tank okay. um, Tank Davis. Mm-hmm. Is my understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, I, I do think we'll see it, and this will probably be the the first of pos- of probably two mega fights mega fights that we see this year. The other one being. Um, Usyk versus okay. Fury. Okay, all right, got you. Yeah. I thought you were going some other direction. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely. That one's been more. Which I give props to heavyweight fighters, though. Props to heavyweight fighters because they ain't they ain't scared to smoke. They let nah. it happen. They make it happen. They find a way to make it happen for heavyweight fighters. So I get yeah. I get them props. Um, I'm with you. I'm I'm, I'm pro- I give props to uh, Ryan Garcia. Actually, props to Ryan Garcia. Props to Tank if it does happen. Um, also, you know Shakur Stevenson. Uh, Devin Haney, because I feel like them dudes, um, they want to make a great fight. Like, they want to fight the next person. There's real, you can see it. It's not like just talk. It's not internet ain't internet smoke. They want it to happen. But for this fight, yeah, I, I hope it happens, man, because I think it's intriguing. I guess you got two different type of stars, right? To me, you got Tank, who's a superstar, and then you got Ryan Garcia, who has an awesome following, right? You know, awesome following. I can't say that he's... I, I want I, my idea is that he he can he's, he he brings a nice draw to a to a to a venue and he does, but I don't know like does he bring like the 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 the, the type of celebrity like Tank is doing right now? You know what I'm saying? Well, I, I'll say this: um, Tank Davis is huge within yeah. the, the urban African American yeah. black, black demographic, yeah, right? Ryan Garcia. If you and, and I don't know how many of those followers on Instagram yeah. are bots yeah. or anything yeah. like that, sure. right? But he's a guy. He got a lot of followers. Yeah, he 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 has a guy who um has followers, you know, six million plus followers mm-hmm. on Instagram, and we know that now having a following on that platform mm-hmm. um is a way for you to monetize, yep. right? Yep. Especially if they're passionate boxing fans, which I'm I'm pretty sure all six million aren't. 
Yeah. Um, but but that <laughs> no, that will at least translate into a casual fan yes. or a person who isn't a following of boxing. Um, hearing about this fight and possibly gaining interest in paying for the fight or attending the fight. No, I agree. I do, I do agree. So I do. I, I think I just wanted to happen, man. I really do. But you know, speaking of a fight that's going to happen that could have happened years ago when this dude was on top, you know, Keith Thurman when he was on top when was one time Keith Thurman, you know what I mean? But Earl, there are reports out there that Earl and Keith Thurman are finalizing a deal for an April fight. Um, this fight would be at, at junior middleweight, which is well. It, it, it would be at 154, right? It it won't be it won't be contested at welterweight. I don't know yeah. if it's going to be at 154. I, I, or I don't know if it's a catchweight. Okay. So I'm not 100 percent sure. Yeah, I, I mean, read something. I read something. There's reports. I think I read something they would do it at junior middleweight 154. But who knows? But your thoughts that this fight could happen? Uh it's a fight that should have happened. Years yeah, ago. Years ago. <laughs> um, to be honest with you. Uh, I'm not I'm exci- I'm not too excited because at at this point Keith Thurman hasn't had the level of activity yeah. against the quality yes. of opponents that would get that would have gotten you excited about this, let's say, um three three or four years ago. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, um yeah. prior to Keith Thurman's elbow injury mm-hmm. and prior to his loss to Manny Pacquiao. Yes. Right. Um, but nevertheless, it's still a fight that it's another it's another name. Yes. Um, a quality name yes, for quality Errol name. Spence. Right. And if Errol Spence is kind of has his mindset on just um, continue to take on challenger, the, the next challenger in front of him, instead of giving the, fub, the public what they want with a fight with Terrence Bud Crawford, then this is a, a quality opponent. What I like about Earl, I mean, you people can say whatever about who's who's at fault. Cause I'm not gonna get into who's at fault. Um, I have I'm, I'm, I have my own I have my own beliefs, but I'm not gonna get into all that. Cause I, mm-hmm. you know, cause it's like a Biggie Pac thing. You can go either which way with it for a lot of folks. Um, but I like his tuna his his so-called tuna fights are these kind of fights. You know what I mean? Like his tuna fights are like you mentioned, are name fighters that everybody knows about that. Not always. You go ahead. I want you. No, no. Yeah. I, I, I just wanted to put one caveat. His, two, his fights are against PBC boxers. Yes, they're all against PBC boxers, but they're like they have a name. They yes. have a name, man. Like have a name. And if I think if you've watched, and anybody, I mean, you've watched. Will like I, I thought for me, you're right. The, like, the caliber of competition that Keith Thurman has fought hasn't fought. I mean, he hasn't fought anybody like this. But he had, his last his his last fight I saw him fight. He looked good. He looked good. For a guy that took a big layoff, he looked good. You know what I mean? He's going to need to be more active, I agree. You know what I mean? But I just like that when Earl, ain't it, a PBC boxer, I totally agree. But the caliber of opponents that he gets, that he sees in these, at the, when, when we're still aiming to see a Bud Crawford. It's not like, okay, let me fight this, 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 this one dude real quick, and then I'm going to see Bud, right? Or then mm-hmm. I'm going to go negotiate, try to negotiate with Bud. It's like, I'm going to fight a dude that, that is a threat. To a lot of people, that is a real opposing threat. Like when you think of Keith Thurman, like you're right, we all think that Earl's going to be Keith Thurman. Like I'm not saying he's going to lose to Keith Thurman, but there is there is there is an element right of that if you get one time that like the one time that we saw in the past, like with that power, like your mindset's going to be like there is an opportunity, there's a chance. Like even for instance, like even which I give you know even though it's a a, a different version, like when Bud fought Earl, I mean not Earl, um, Kell Brook. Mm-hmm. It's like there is an element like okay maybe we can get that old Kell Brook back then this fight could be a certain fight right 
So there is that element, like when one time fighting Earl's, like there is that element in your back of your mind, like can you get that one time, one more time, like just to bring it, could this be that type of fight? So I do respect Earl for like taking on a person, a, a fighter like Keith, Thur- Keith Thurman, because you can go a different route. You can still, even in PBC, you can't go a different route. Yeah, but um, the fact that this fight isn't being held at 147 to yeah. me, it, it takes a little bit of the luster yeah, off I because I, I'm, uh, I'm just not sure because these are both guys who at 147 are very powerful punchers. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that power translates, if they're going to fight at 154 or if it translates at a catch weight. Yeah. So just interested to, you know, that, that, that dynamic right there um, kind of throws me off a little bit of, or about the level of excitement for this yeah, fight. Can, but yeah. nevertheless, these are two quality boxes that hopefully we get to fight in April. But like you said, we all care about the fight. We all care about one particular fight. We care about Spence versus Bud. That's what we care about. That's just, it is what it is. So what does this, to, in your opinion, what does this fight mean for that particular fight? Just boils the pot a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, it gives, un, you know, unfortunate. It, it, un, I'm not going to say unfortunately. Um, it tilts the balance of power, negotiating power a little bit, right? For okay. um even more for Errol Spence, gotcha. right? Mm. I, I I don't know I don't know what's true or not yeah. with regards to their yeah, negotiations. Right? Yeah. So I don't I'm I, I'm not gonna speculate, yeah. but um clearly there's been a, a breakdown of communication on the split yes. of the purse mm-hmm. um and guarantees. Yeah, but yeah. so with Al Heyman. With Al Heyman. Suppose that's what Bud's with Al Heyman. Well, no, I mean, Al Heyman is the advisor slash promoter yes. of the fight. Um, I'm sure Al Heyman has been doing this for a many of years, <laughs> and these guys want a certain figure. Yes. And he probably thinks, hell no, because I won't get my return on investment yes. for that figure, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so ultimately, this probably tilts the balance a little bit more towards um Errol Spence when he when it when you know when they come to the table to negotiate in that pot of money. Uh-huh. Um whether it's 60 40, 70 30. Yeah. Oh, I don't know if it's 50 50 or or 55 or 55 45 yeah. or winner take all yeah, no nah, I'm not gonna say winner take all but winner take, take I'll, I'll, you most, know, most of the purse. 60 yeah. loser takes 40. Yeah. Um so you know with from from you know it's so it's it's tough man. I agree with you. It's like I agree with you. It does. It does hinder the negotiation. If, if, if Earl looks, if Earl looks looks good against Thurman, right? And it's gonna probably be. It's gonna be in Dallas. If it happens, it'll probably be in Dallas too. Yeah. I mean, like, like I, I, I've said this. I said this the first time, mm-hmm. right? When they started to negotiate and people started to get serious yeah, about, right, yeah. people got excited hearing the news. Yeah. Realistically, if the fight's going to be made, then. Um, Bud Crawford is going to have to most likely accept the short end yeah. of a guarantee, and he will most likely have to go to Dallas for a fight. Yeah, you said that. Yeah, you said that. Um, now, that's if you if you're Bud Crawford and you truly are confident that you can beat Errol Spence, or yeah. you can make this fight close enough, highly contested that the that. Um, the fans will demand for that you for you guys to fight each other, yeah. where it makes sense economically. For you to do it again, yeah. then you you take it. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there's one fighter. Think about think about the fight that made Floyd Mayweather money Mayweather. That was Oscar. him versus Oscar yeah, De La Hoya. I agree with you, bro. And like, what was the split? Seventy thirty. Thirty. That's what I'm saying. Seventy for Oscar, thirty Dang, for De La Hoya, thirty for, bro, for Mayweather. I just think so. Sometimes you got to you got to take that short that short back Dude. end. 
in order to to I, gain a little bit of power. Look, I, I, to me, there should be no egos if if you are the draw, right? And it's easy, and, and I'll say, it's and I'll put said, this. It's easy to say that for me yeah. because I'm not the one who's going to put, agreed, his, agreed. put his body through the rules of yeah. and the rigors of, of training. Training camp, yeah, exactly. And a fight. I will say this, like, like I, I said, like Manny took Manny was big. Manny was big, bro. With with Floyd, they were both like having crucial draws, right? Both mm-hmm. of them, crucial draws. Manny took lower than Floyd, though. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and Manny could take lower than Floyd without being fit. That's this. That's what I always gauge it. Like if Manny can do it, if Manny Pacquiao could do it at that particular time, the draw that Manny Pacquiao was, if he could take lower than Floyd, like and not say, "Hey, I want fifty fifty and just stand on fifty fifty and say, "I'll just take lower." Anybody can do it. Well, like I said, I I don't want to get into speculation. Yeah, no, I, All yeah. I can go off of is what I've yeah, heard. heard. Yeah, I and, agree. I agree. You know, but, there um, is but yeah, but yeah, but Bud Crawford said that there were issues with regards to out, think, outside of outside of the split. Just yeah. certain. I think he was willing to take lower um, in percentage, like the percentage. I think he was. It was the guarantee, though. I was guaranteed. It was a guarantee stuff. I could be wrong though. I thought no, it was the, the, so. There was a, I guess a, what is it, a Facebook or Instagram? No, 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 it was on Twitter. No, he, went, twi- he, he went IG live. He went IG live. Yeah, okay. He he and he, and he, yeah, and he explained. He said that this is his words, and I'm paraphrasing yeah. that he was willing to not receive a guarantee if he had access to the books yeah, to be able to sign off on certain promotional. Yeah. Spins. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. Right. He wanted full transparency yeah. of the books going up to the um yeah, to the fight and the expenses. Right. Yeah. Because that's the because he, he he stated he would be willing to take less of a guarantee. Yeah. If he knew that as himself as a promoter, he would be able to see the books and have access to signing off on certain expenditures. And, and that's what and that's what he was talking about. Talking to Earl was like, you got to be your own boss. Yes, like, I got you be your boss. You ain't in these rooms like I am now. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting, man. It, it's interesting, but I want that fight to happen, man. We all wanted it to happen. I think we all wanted to happen, but I just and I'm just gonna be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I don't think that it's gonna happen. These, no, uh-huh. I don't think it, it won't. I, I don't think for the money that these two fighters want to earn, yeah. their they their personalities will draw the general public. They won't. At this point, this is what this is my thing. I feel like I agree with you. I know what you're saying, but this is my thing. If they don't make this happen, and that's just my opinion, this is my truth. If they don't make this happen, they wait too long. They're going to mess up the opportunity to be in the draw they want to be. You know what I'm saying? Like it, yeah, it has it. to happen because, like to your point, I agree with you. To your point, I don't know or to personality wise, I, and I know Bud for a fact. Like I know Bud. Like personality, person, personality wise. You can keep fighting. I don't think you're going to be as big as you want to be. Because you, like, as big as you think you are. But if you fight now and you get this, whoever wins gets this, this, gets this feather in a hat. Now I think you can be that dude. Like, like we talked about Tank. Like, Tank just, he has that personality. It's and something. He has a knockout, and he's that knockout power that makes everybody, the way he knocks you out, it's something about it, right? It's like we haven't seen that since Mike Tyson. Exactly, right? The video so, game knockouts. Yeah, the video game knockouts. So, but when you look at Earl and Bud, like, all right, Earl crowds a venue, but it's 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 kind of there. His pup, Al Heyman's smart. Texas, 
we're going and everything's big in Texas. So you're going to sell out the Dallas Cowboys Stadium. So that helps you with your buzz or whatever. So you can definitely tra- you can translate that that if you go fight in the Barclays because now that there there's that thing. But can you consistently sell out venues if you're fighting somebody like a like who who did like for instance who did um Bud fight like the dude Bud fought in Nebraska? I forgot. I but, forgot. But an example, if you yeah. fought that dude in Vegas, you're not selling that out. No. You know what I'm saying? No. Like you're not doing anything with that. So you're not that type of draw. Now if Tank like Tank could take fight that same dude in Barclays. I bet you Tank can sell that thing out. Yeah, because it, it's it's the fights, it's, his style, yes. the knockouts. So to your point, to your point, Will, which I totally agree, it's like you're gonna have they're gonna have to take care. They're gonna to me, I feel like they have to fight now for them to reach that 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 that, that, clout. that level. Yeah, I mean, they, to be honest with you, they need each other. They do, man. To, to they need each other, and ultimately, whoever wins would probably be a bigger name and. General and pop, pop culture. culture, yeah, right. And could you imagine? And not to cut you off, but could you imagine, like, if it becomes like this, Hearns, Hagler, Hagler Hearns. or like Sugar Ray, Hearns type of or Sugar Ray Hagler, like, if, it, if it's that type of thing where it's competitive, like Bo, even Bo, uh, Riddick, Bo, Holyfield, like that competitive, that automatically puts both now. It takes both of them to that yeah, level. Yeah, and, and ultimately, I think that's the type of fight this would. Yeah. I mean, I know who I think would win. I think Bud would win. Okay. But, um, I think Earl would win, but it's cool, though. Yeah, I think no, it would be competitive. No, yeah. yeah. I, I think Bud would win, but I think that the performance of both, because neither one of them um, are very flawed fighters. Yes, yeah. It, you know, and if they come in willing to engage and willing to have an active fight. Yes, then it can only it can enhance both of their profiles. That's what I'm saying, man. Like because you because you're right. I think the personality, personality wise, I don't think like it ain't. The personalities ain't, aren't going to sell. The yeah, fight. exactly. You know what I mean. But together, if they can have that type of trilogy, then yeah, like shoot, Wilder Fury helped out both to a certain extent. Yeah, you know what I'm saying like to a certain extent helped out both. You know what I mean? So I'm like, come on, get it, get it done. All right, man. Um, as part of our HBCU Corner segment, we'll play our interview with University of Maryland Eastern Shore men's basketball coach, Jason Crafton. The school that I went to. Your alma mater. Yes. And we're doing well. We're doing pretty, pretty darn okay in, 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 the, in, the, in the sport of college basketball. We beat Howard. That's what's up, man. Ago. And we beat Temple. Yep. You know what I mean? Quality Eastern, wins. Quality wins, man. Quality wins. They lost to Norfolk State. They're like, you know, they're the big dogs. They lost they lost at Norfolk. So, but they're right now they're eight and eight overall, one and one in the MEAC. So watch out, man. Hawk Pride, catch it. Anyway, we'll do a list. you'll have the interview after the break. You listen to Urban Sports Man. For ages. Get it. Deuces on Empire Media. That's EmpireMedia.com.
You are listening to the urban sports scene with Wole and Ray, and we are part of Amp Pyre Media at amppyremedia.com. It's time for HBCU Corner. This, this individual is no stranger to the show. We have University of Maryland Eastern Shore men's basketball coach Jason Crafton. What's up, Coach Crafton, and welcome back to the Urban Sports Scene. Fellas, what's going on? Good to be here. Appreciate you guys having me. Appreciate the support, uh, you know, for UMES and the HBCU culture, man. Let's have some fun, man. Let's get after it. I mean, you know, we're HBC. We, I mean, we're, we're Maryland. We're Eastern Shore alumni, so this is this is awesome for us. I mean, we're, we're all about Hulk Pride. That's what we're about, nice, Hulk Pride. Nice, nice, and this, nice, this, nice. this visit is going to be just straight friendly. Last time we were debating, you were trying to say Michael Jordan was from New York <laughs> and whatever. I, I'm not going there today. This is, this is going to be fun because UMES is, is doing big things and you are highly responsible for that. So thanks for joining us, bro. Now I appreciate it. Appreciate it. It's all about the players. The players make, make, make the coach look good. So, you know, they bought in and we've got good people. And when you try to change a culture, not only you got to bring in, you know, you know, talent and get that talent better, but you got to bring in good people. And we got really good people and, and those that's what's giving us a chance right now to do some cool things. So, Ray and I, we missed homecoming this year, but how was homecoming? You know, I think homecoming was cool, not just because we got a win, and uh, but I th- it's, been, it's been really exciting to see just more uh, Mountain and Shore alums uh, get excited about basketball. And it's also been cool to see basketball alums get excited about coming back and feeling like they can come back. It's been such a disconnect with the basketball alumni community because there's been so many coaching changes you know, and, and people just haven't been excited about the brand of basketball and the culture of the, of the program. So that I mean, you guys told me that when I first got here. So it's just <laughs> what it, it's just what it what, what it was. And, and, you know, we've just tried to to try to change that narrative and try to, you know, put together a team of guys that are blue collar hungry. And it was cool to, to be at homecoming and just see so many people starting to come back. I mean, we had about a dozen basketball alums just in our locker room talking to our guys after the game. And, I saw that. I saw and, uh, that. 
that was cool. It just, it would happen organically. They wanted to come back. Um, and, and it was really cool for them to feel so much pride in telling their stories. And uh, I take that very seriously because that's one of the things I talked about when I took the job was trying to connect, you know, former alums and making them feel like they could come home again. Well, Coach, you're doing that. You're definitely changing the culture and you're, and you're building this program and it's showing because currently uh, you're on a four-game winning streak, including a big win against Temple University, uh, moving your overall record this season to seven and seven. What has been the key uh, to this winning streak? You know, the guys, you know, the players, players buying in, uh, players playing hard, you know, with top 10 in the country and in, in in steals per game. And, you know, uh, you know, that's a number that we've, that we've held, uh, you know, in high regard for our program. We were third last year in the nation. So, um, you know, I think that, you know, we've just continued to, to become more scrappy on the defensive end, and, and which has been our identity. But at the same time, we've also improved our offensive execution and we've been able to you know, make some shots and we've got multiple guys that, that you have to defend out to the three point line that are shooting over 35 percent from three. And that helps. So I, I think those things, you know, coming together and then we've got some veteran leadership guys that have been here with me since day one um, and or have stuck it out with this program through getting a canceled season. We were just here doing nothing, having Zoom scouting reports, you know, <laughs> not even able to practice and, and everything. So. Uh, being picked dead last in the country from Sports Illustrated two years ago and coming out and winning 11 games last year and, you know, having a chip on our shoulder still to come out and prove some more, um, you know, that that's that that's what's been a testament to, you know, I'm not here to take the credit. It's the, it's the, it's the people. You want to change the culture, you got to bring in the right people. And I feel like we got really good people here uh, within our basketball program trying to do some great things and, and we're excited about what they're doing. So, Coach, you, you mentioned the players. So who are some of these, uh, so who are some of these key players that help, you know, get you on the street who have stepped well, up. Yeah, you know, yeah, like the yeah. Well, it's so many guys. And I think that when you look at it, you, you know, you hear our culture being one way and being about family and togetherness and, 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 and playing with tenacity, which is our edge. You, you know, I always feel like for us to be successful, you got to have multiple guys that are kind of in that eight to 13 point range. It's never just one guy for us. So, and we've got a bunch of guys doing that. Zion Styles right now is, you know, who used to lead us in scoring is like right there at 11, 12 a game. He's like second on the team in scoring. He comes off the bench. You know, and, and um, you know, does a great job and has been humble about it. He's been playing great basketball coming off the bench and not getting as much foul trouble. And that's really helped our team having him come off the bench. And he's embraced it, you know, and that's not everybody won't do that all the time, you know. And he's really bought into yeah. that. So he's an electrifying player. He's the guy you see on social media getting steals and dunking balls in transition, you know. And, and Sean Phillip is a guy that, you know, is, is right around that 10, 11, 12 point a game mark. And he also... Uh, gets assists for us and gets steals and rebounds. He's kind of a utility guy, plays multiple positions. Amadou Fafana, you know, leads our team in assists, you know, and gets about seven, eight points a game. And, you know, is a great on-the-ball defender and, and does a great job of leading our basketball team. Kevon Boyles has come back from injury, and he's getting around 12 points a game, and he can play inside, outside. He's shooting the three well. And then Nate Pollard's our double-double guy <laughs> that, that's, that got Defensive Player of the Week last week. And, you know, he's if he hasn't been getting double doubles, he's always like right there at like 10, 11 rebounds, eight or nine points. So, you know, those are just a few guys. But we've had guys come off the bench and have done great things. Glenn Anderson's been huge for us. You know, Troy Hupstein has been big for us. And Cohen Thompson has, has done great things, whether we start him or bring him off the bench. Tuka Nugent's been unbelievable. I mean, you, I can go down the line, just name everybody. This has been a um, entire team effort. It's not just one guy. Um, and even the guys that don't play a lot, the energy they bring on the bench supporting the other guys is incredible. It's something like you're not used to seeing. So that's why I say it's a special group of guys. They're good people and they support each other. 
How like did it take you any any? It was any was it challenging to get everybody divided into the whole the team mentality more like uh, this one dude ain't gonna be showcased. It's gonna be a team effort, collective effort for for this type of success. Did you have to do any kind of convincing, or just it was just it was what it was? You know, I think it's a combination of things. I mean, for obviously as coaches, we put out the rhetoric of what the theme is gonna be, and our one way theme. You know, I think is something that resonates with our guys. But also just being very intentional in the recruiting process, you know, what I mean, and recruiting the right types of kids. And, and, and we've got a lot of guys that are that know each other and play together in AAU or, you know, half the roster is from New York and the other half of the roster is from the DMV. So, so you know, um, and then we got one guy from from Memphis, Tennessee and Coa Thompson, and he fits right into our, you know, our culture. So. We've got a, a roster of guys that have not just been here together for multiple years, but they've also spent time before Maryland Eastern Shore. So there's something special about that camaraderie that, and, and relationships. They can go after each other, but there's a bond there. Um, so it's a combination. It's a combination of what we're trying to instill, them buying in, bringing the right types of people, holding them accountable, and them holding themselves accountable. And, that, and that's what I've seen the most growth is these guys come out and they will hold themselves accountable before I have to say anything. And that's the sign of a mature team, and I think we have that. Coach, without giving away too many secrets, I tweeted during the Virginia game, these UMES dudes, they, they play defense. <laughs> you retweeted it. And I just want to know, is that something that you work on constantly in practices? I mean, I played for one coach where we didn't touch the ball sometimes. We just worked on presses. We worked yeah. on defense <laughs> constantly. So because I felt like y'all had a chance. If you if you were able to knock down some – and you had some good looks, open shots in that first half, it would have been tight at halftime. It really would have. And it wasn't a blowout at halftime, but still yeah, it was a double-digit yeah. lead. But just in general, you talked about being a scrappy defensive team. How do you get to that point? Yeah, and I appreciate that. And for our first five minutes of that Virginia game, we executed some really good offense, got wide open shots, didn't make them, mm. um, and, and then kind of scrapped it up and kind of got back in the game a little bit. And Virginia's yep. Virginia. They're really good. And, and you oh, yeah. you can't you can't uh, miss your first four or five shots and get down. You know, it's just, a, you know, so. But, but you know, in terms of the day-to-day, -day, I mean, every single day um, we do some type of aggressive defensive breakdowns, whether it's live or – you know, it's it's stationary type of stuff, or it's always something. And we're every day we're finding ways to work on our rebounding, our ball screen defense, and our one on one defense, and our help side in different ways. Uh, so it's every single day. Mm -hmm. um, if you came and watch us practice, it'd probably be like, man, uh, it, it could probably get a little old sometimes. Some of the basic stuff that we do, um, but our guys have really bought into it because they see the repetition and the results they get from doing this slide drill, like four times a week or this closeout drill, you, you know, it's not like we're out here doing all these high tech. It's a lot of basic drills that we just do after day after day to, to just get that muscle memory, get the baseline and techniques of how we want to defend things. And then on top of that, on top of the technique, it's the edge. You know, when you got guys from Harlem and Brooklyn and the Bronx and Baltimore and, you know, and, and, and tough areas, you know, some of that edge comes out with the technique and now you've got technique and edge. And that's a pretty tough thing to to go against. So we combine that technique and that edge and that that tenacity and you know that comes from what we instill in them, but also who they are by nature, what they've seen in their lives, um, growing up in the places they're from. And that's kind of, that that's kind of what we look like when we're on the floor. We if we look like a blue collar, scrappy, you know, cage fight fighting match like West Fourth Street, then <laughs> like you know, like we played at Columbia, we everything was so crazy with the game day. We had a locker room with no board in it. And I'm writing on the mirror in the bathroom. Wow. And we had to run up the bleachers. And it was like just a crazy setup for us. And I said, listen, let's just get off the bus. 
well, let's just get, make it like we're getting off the train stop and let's just go out there and play basketball and take it to them. You know? And I got Absolutely. those same guys. You know? So you can say that, but you can't always do that. You know, like my guys have gotten off the train stop and going out and played, you know, in Rucker or, or, or at West Fourth at the Cage or Dykeman or whatever the case may be or in Baltimore or in D.C. somewhere. So they understand that rhetoric. They've been through the, that grind and, and uh, we're happy to have them here because it, it, it shows in, in how we do things. So, so coach also, like I mentioned earlier, you know, about the winning temple, like, you know, for, for like, for the, you know, for alums who went to, uh, to Eastern shore, like that game was, was it like a lot of people were chatting about it. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, we here. Like, we got that. We here now. Like that's, a, that's all I saw on social media. People I talked to, like, we here now, this was the win. I know in my experience, I mean, when I went to the shore, we, we didn't have a win like that. Like yeah, that win, yeah. that, like Ray, we ran out. Ray, we didn't, not like that. Yeah, well, yeah now, we, we, so, social media wasn't a thing yeah. when we were in school. Yeah, That's but it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't. Yeah. When we, Coach Crafton. Yeah. So when they when they did have big wins, what nobody talk about? We would have to Google it, and our, our dial up would be yeah. slow. But it is the biggest win since yeah. we've been around. Since, no doubt. Yeah, real talk. Real yeah, talk. I think you know. I think that there's you know there's definitely something to be said. I'm not to take any away from any other coach that's been here um, during the Division One era. Um, you know, because there there were some some big wins this and you know St. Bonaventure. Um, you know, I remember Maryland is short beating those guys, I think in like 2013, 14 or something like that, you know, um, you know, Temple's a household name, you know, yes. and that, that, that's, that, that, that's, that, that was a huge win. So, you know, not to get into the debate of if it's, if it's the biggest win ever in division one history is definitely one of the biggest wins in recent division one history. And I think that's what people are probably excited about. Um, there's no, there's no, no way around it. It's a big win for our program and our guys were excited about it. They dumped me with the cooler, you know, and we had so, you know, the water. <laughs> and, you know like, you know, so it, it was a definitely a step past beating Fordham last year, which was a big win for us, you know, uh-huh. beating Temple at Temple and the way we did it, you know, yes. being up 14, 15 points and mm-hmm. kind of controlling the game and, and kind of just, you know, in, in many ways out toughing them. Um, you know, it was, it was, it was a huge win, not, not just for the Brent, the team we played, but for how we did it. So, but what we told our guys was, okay, we don't want to be the team that beats Temple and then goes and loses to Columbia, yes. mm, <laughs> you know? So, point. you know, like, like it, it, it's great for the day. It's great for the moment, but now you got to get to the next thing. And it was exciting to see our guys come out ready to play against Columbia, go up big. And then when Columbia came back, find a way to dominate the game in overtime and get the win. So I really like the way we closed out the non-conference season, but Again, we enjoyed it that night. We came in the next day and said, okay, that's now done. Either way, whether we won those games or not, whether I'm on urban sports scene talking about beating Temple in Columbia and, and beating whoever we beat in the non-conference and having the best non-conference record in 30 years or whatever it is, either way, we're still going to be re- getting ready to go to Norfolk to start a new season. Let's go. So it's good to, it's good to, to have that behind us, but it really doesn't mean anything right now because everybody's zero and zero. Like, oh, Ray, you wanted to take the next question, Ray? I, I did. So, Coach, I mean, I just want to reiterate the fact that even before, I'll say this, before the the Temple win, George Mason also shouted out the work you were doing. Like, I saw that um, <laughs> that that press conference. So I think people are taking notice regardless, and I think your team is taking on your identity, just watching you on the sideline. But I I'm covered, crazy, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I love it, though, man. I mean, yeah. We we also cover NFL football. We watch a coach with his arms crossed, and it drives yeah. me nuts. It, it, <laughs> I, I can't take it. Um, so anyway, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna mention that right now. But when I I cover Howard, I'm here to DMV, and when I got to Howard before, uh, I think 
whatever game they had, it doesn't matter what game it was, but somebody said, big win for your alumni. The first the first thing they said is when I stepped in the gym. And then Coach Blakeney mentioned it in his presser after their recent game. Um, and, and another coach from LaSalle also said the MEAC is actually coming up because, you know, we just saw what Maryland Eastern Shore did. So it's just a big deal. But how is that going to impact, you think, recruiting and just moving your program forward um, this after this season? Yeah, I, I like, again, I think it gives us some conference. Now we have to take that. It, it, it's only as good as what we're now able to do in the conference season. So, you know, we need to go out here in the conference and and and, and solidify what we did in the non-conference and say, hey, we're going to be a program that's going to be, you know, right here. Listen, we, we came out here in the summertime and said that we wanted to win the MEAC. We wanted to not just get into the NCAA tournament. We wanted to win games. You know, like that's 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 when I came in after the day after the conference, the, the Columbia game and the non-conference was over. I said, what did we say in the summer? We said we wanted to win the MEAC. We wanted mm-hmm. to get to the NCAA tournament and not just be there like, hey, we're, we're the happy HBCU that got to their first ever NCAA <laughs> tournament. No, we wanted to get there. And we wanted to win games. And, and so we started having those types of conversations and saying like, so if this is the, the if we, we said those things. So now we just can't ever get too high. We can never get too low. So. I think when the smoke clears, we'll be able to probably receive it. Like, wow, that Temple win, like we enjoyed it. But like, we, we've we've gotten so far past it now because we know we got Norfolk State coming up. And, mm-hmm. and, and Norfolk State is a really good basketball team that's won uh, games that like Temple, you know, as a habitual thing in terms of what they do. So we're going, you know, like the, you know <laughs> as much as it's big for Maryland and Shore, we're going to be going against the juggernauts of the league. And we got to get over that high because that, that you know, that, that high is not going to get us to winning the basketball game on Saturday. What's going to get us to having a chance to beat a team like that is, is staying locked in and staying focused. So, yeah, man, it's great. It's great for the brand. It's great for everything. But we want to come into conference play here. And we want to really set the stage and, you know, go after a team like Norfolk and put ourselves in position to win the game and go after Howard. And we got a great opening weekend here to playing against two of the top considered programs. We would pick preseason six. So we get a chance right now to really mm. show what we can do. And we're going to be able to get to mid next week and have a good idea of where we are. Absolutely. See, coach, you know, I do, you know, segues, man. You know, you know, yeah. segues. You know, <laughs> we went right into it. Like, you know, again, look, Norfolk Saturday, it's, it's going down, <laughs> man. You're, you're driving out there. You guys are going out there. Um, That's they're back to back MEAC champs, man. They're back to back MEAC champs. Do you do you categorize this game as a huge game? So a lot of people would say it's too early, but do you categorize this game as a huge game? <laughs> I think, hey, if you know me and you see how I coach, I, I just coached against the Division Three team we played the other night against St. Mary's the same way I coached against Temple. <laughs> you know, it, it, they're all huge to me. Um, it, it's not like we're some established program where it's like everything just runs itself. My intensity level has to be at a consistent pace, place every single night, every single practice. Um, you know, for us to be able to get some consistency here in everything we do. My players, we all on the same page on this thing. So the way I coach, we always want you to feel us, feel my players, feel my bench, feel my coaching staff, feel me. You know, we want to bring that type of energy everywhere we go. So is it a big game? They're all big games. Yeah. You know, I think for the fans, you know, when you look at the MEAC standards, you see they're one and we're two right now. You know, I think it, it, it brings a little bit more excitement to it from a fan perspective, but, you know, make no mistake about it. It's two of the best defensive teams in the league. And they're mm-hmm. both, we're both scrappy. We're both young, intense coaches. We're both from New York. We both know mm-hmm. each other. It's going to be a fun one. It's going to be a scrappy one. 
And I know their their respect what we're doing in terms of building this program. We got a ton of respect for what they've done as a program. And the only way to become anything as a program is to take down the top dogs. So that that that's the mission right now is to go down there and not just, you know, have a great time, but to put ourselves in a position to try to win the basketball game. So um that that that's what our mentality is going in, and it shouldn't be any different um that, you know for anybody that's gonna go down there. So that that's that's what we're gonna try to do. I love See, it. When you when you play the top dog or when you when you go up against the bully, you gotta you gotta hit him in the mouth early. And I know you two defensive teams, but I'm hoping that in that in that road environment that you'll be able to get ahead, maybe in, mm-hmm. in the early in the early going, because I think that sometimes that impacts an experienced group like Norfolk. I mean, that that's to me the key to them is they return the entire team from last year. Yeah. And yeah. I know, I know we had one coach say, well, they might be complacent. I'm like, nah, man, I think that's a big deal when you talk about um just how teams are cohesive, but I think that you have the same thing and that's what you can fight kind of force for force with them. We're similar in terms of the, the rhetoric of yes. And you look at the, the returning guys, you know, the difference is, is their experience returning is winning experience, you know, winning in the MEAC, winning in postseason, and our experience is building experience, you know? So, you know, the, and, and you know, those guys, you know, like that, like they're, they're talented and they're, they're on the same accord. Um, watching film already. Like I said, they play both ends of the floor. Coach Jones does a great job. It, it's it's going to be a chess match. Every time we play each other, there's always glimpses of, of, of some really tight segments. They've always pulled away and won the game, but there's always been segments in the game where you kind of see like, 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 like it's, it's, it's been a real chess match and, and we've, you know, found ways to be very competitive against them. We've never beaten them yet. And our guys know that. Um, so you know, I expect it to be a, a, a old school class, a MEAC classic. And, you know, let's go down there and let's, let's give it our best shot against the, the, the league's best. Everybody knows they're the best. And I got a lot of respect for them because they got to take everybody's best shot all the mm-hmm. time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so everybody's going to Norfolk trying to take down the champs. So that's a credit to what to, to Rob Jones ability to coach those guys ability to continue to win games and um, and what they build as a basketball program down there. They're nothing but respect for those guys. Well, Coach, you know, I wish you the best. I wish you all the best of luck. I, you know what I mean? I, obviously, I mean, I'm biased. Let's keep it a buck. I'm, I'm biased. You know See, that's what I, mean? what I like about this. I can be a fan in, yeah. in these interviews with Coach Bachelor and you, of course. I can be a fan and I can yeah. just represent like I want to, you know. <laughs> I, we, we love we love our media coaches, though. I'm not here to sugarcoat it, but at the same yeah. time, they already know where home is for us. And um, I told Coach Bachelor that this, this past year, this is my milestone for my wife, but I will be there homecoming. This coming school year, next, next year. So <laughs> That's what's up. I'll be back, yeah. bro. Here's I just what's went, cool. Uh, huh? well, what I was going to say, here's what's cool. And here, when you talked about the Temple thing, and, you know, I'm so sometimes locked in and, you know, trying to just stay on track and not get too high, not get too low. But I'm at the gym the other night, Pure Fitness, and, you know, I go there all the time. And and no one ever knows who I am. <laughs> and, and I don't have Marilyn's and Shore gear on. And I just go in and, you know, I get my workout in. And and I was in there the other night and I had people stopping me being like, oh, you're the basketball coach at Eastern Shore. We saw you guys beat Temple and oh, we saw you guys beat Columbia and we saw and I was getting stopped. And I was like, I th- that was pretty cool to see that the, there was a little bit of buzz going on in this small community that's never happened before. Because I walk in there and no one ever knows who I am all the time. And I love that because I can just go and work. And I, for 25 minutes, I got my workout was stopped and I was sitting there talking about Maryland Shore basketball. I just said, hey, you know what, for a small town like this, to start seeing them get excited about, you know, what our guys are doing on the basketball floor, 
you know, hopefully that leads to us putting some more people in the stands and being able to take advantage of having a, you know, of having a great home court environment. Definitely. And, and coach, to add on to that, it's not just the winning tempo. Like, yeah, it's the four game winning streak, but also it's like what you just mentioned, what you just said, like the home environment, you're five and zero at home. Like there is yeah, so yeah. much to be positive about this team and with the direction of this team. You know what I mean? Like I went to, you know, even when we were at the shore, we we're at games, teams would beat us at home. Like it wasn't yeah, like yeah. a home court advantage at times. Like now you're building that. So to me, it's a lot. It's a lot to be positive about the program, to be honest with you, a lot. Appreciate you, well, hopefully man. we hopefully we can come back, you know, um, you know, like I said, we had beaten Maris and Lehigh at home and, and, and then, you know, and, and taking care of business against the nine ones. I mean, my first year, we couldn't beat a division three team. Yeah, <laughs> <you know? laughs> and Maryland had lost, you know, in prior years back to back to Salisbury University. So, you know, we've come a long way. We want to keep building this thing. Let's try to get to the MEAC bye week and, and maybe do a check in or before the MEAC tournament. And let's 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 be out there ready to go to that MEAC tournament. You know, in a position for for Marlins and Shore I to should go out be there and win too. that thing. I should be at the Miac tournament, so we gonna catch you in person soon, bro. Yeah, we are. Sounds to, good. Sounds we good. Well, hey, hey, coach, thanks for being on HBCU Corner. Is there anything you would like to add? Hey, now nah, appreciate you guys, man. You know, just, just love the HBCU movement and everything you guys do for the culture. Um, love talking hoops and and uh, you know, just come out and support Marlins and Shore basketball, man. Just come out and see these guys. We got eight seniors. They're playing tough blue collar basketball. They also got a 3.2 GPA this fall. So we got, you know, winners on the floor, winners off the floor, winners in life. And that's what we're trying to build here. All right, you, you, heard, you heard it here, man. Hawk Pride. We're out. Catch it. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate it, man.